Shadows Wonders of the Global Revolution. As always, we have the coolest guys around to bring to you all the wrestling to be falling under your radar. This week, we are talking about some Chikara finally starting the new season. Finally, we got that first show to drop, National Pro Wrestling Day. It's going to be a lot of fun to jump back into one of our favorite promotions. We've also got one of uh, our other favorite promotions, a particular favorite of my co-host. It is Dragon Gate. We're watching uh, one show and then one match in particular. We're going to talk all about it. It's going to be great. We're going to bring it all to you. And I do say we, because I would not, could not, should not do this by myself. I am joined by a lovely man, a wonderful man. He's my friend. He should be yours. He's called Jeff. Jeff, say hello. Hello, everybody out there in podcast and internet land. Jeff here, Ms. Fan there. And we've got, I'd say, two of our uh, top four uh, bread and butter promotions on this week's show. We, uh, if I had to say, our, if I had to label our top four, it'd probably be Lucha Underground, WXW, and then these two uh, uh, companies we're covering this week: um, Drangate and Chikara. Maybe you want to throw Bar Wrestling or Stardom in there as the number five slot. Um, either way, we're going to talk about two of our collective. Uh, favorite most enjoyed promotions here on the Global Revolution, Chikara, which we're finally getting into National Pro Wrestling Day. And I just want to say from the uh, onset, um, looking much better and much sharper on the uh, graphic design end for their uh, their uh, stuff on the show. Looking really sharper, looking really cool. So uh, good on Chikara for upgrading significantly. Not that their stuff was bad before, but whew, they, they look like they've uh, gotten up there on uh, that end for their uh, their show that we'll talk about. And yeah, we're getting to finally watch some Dragon Gate. Happened to get a little bit lucky when it came to our timing that they had done a, uh, a fairly important show um, in the process of us trying to figure out what we wanted to talk about this week. So yeah, we've got uh, a lot of fun stuff to talk about this week. Ms. Fan, what are we going to be focusing on first? Uh, well, let's jump right into Chikara. Uh, it's one of our uh, bread and butter promotions, or at least it would be if they ran enough, which they, uh, yeah, this is the first Chikara show in what, about three months or so? Because I think the season finale was in early December, so two months maybe from uh, two months, show two time. months. Third, three months in terms of when you can actually watch it, though, so hmm, uh, unless true. you're one of those people in the uh, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, it's about three months in between shows. That's That's pretty hefty. I don't know the last time Chicago took a gap like that that wasn't, uh, you know, their big hiatus. It's true, but uh, it is, uh, they did a rollover for the new season. Unfortunate that, uh, weren't able to get that, uh, National Pro Wrestling Day show, which I think happened on, like, February, I think it was, like, Valentine's Day weekend or close to it back in February. So the gap itself wasn't necessarily too bad, but the fact that they couldn't get the show out before, I think, this past week is, uh... About a month, yeah. Yes, it's not a... I mean, like I said, it, it turned out, I thought, great from, you know, the video packages and a lot of just the uh, sort of smaller stuff that they did, you know, with the names popping up. It was just really vibrant and a cool a new uh, starting bumper to begin their stuff with. That was also really cool. So thankfully, it looks like, at least on that front, um, you know, they improved and maybe that time uh, spent was worth it. But I don't know, man. I just... It's the same problem I have with PWG... And the same problem I have with a uh, Drangate and the uh, Drangate uh, Live Drangate Network service is that I just don't really particularly enjoy it when it takes, you know, that long between the show happening and then the show being able to be watched with my eyes. It's just not. It's not always going to be. It's just not great. It's just not great. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's a little frustrating. So uh, 
really glad to have Chikara back. Um, I don't know. I think the past few years they've been struggling a little with their model because, uh, you know, traditionally they've traveled all over, done shows from all over the place. But these days uh, people want to watch shows really quickly, and uh, it's hard to stream live on a Chikara budget from all these different locations. So you just do them in the Wrestle Factory. But then everyone says, we're tired of the Wrestle Factory, and you get kind of really tiny crowds that don't really react that much. And, uh, you know, uh, so I don't know what the best way is. seems like they're it, trying to it, it is... around more, which I like. But, man, I, I don't know who's doing the editing, but, y'all, yeah, just, you just got to sit down and do it, you know, honestly. So, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a lot. It's a lot more complicated than that. I have no doubt, but I'm just saying as a fan, you know, I, I love the product. I just want to see it. I just want to see it, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's it exactly. Yeah. And it is a double-edged sword, you know. You don't want to overwork these dudes, but you also want to watch, you know, the stuff that they are doing. You want to watch the product they're putting out, but you also want them to travel, but you also want them to be able to have that quick turnaround. Yeah. It's 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 a whole mess. And uh, if I I would if I could give Chikara whatever money necessary to be able to travel and have quick release turnaround shows, because uh, I guess WXW can basically do that. Um, so that's always nice. But yes, in general, I would just. It's a whole tricky mess of a process, but regardless, it's always just very nice to have Chikara back, Chikara doing things, and they had National Pro Wrestling Day, which I think top to bottom was just a very nice, fun, entertaining, enjoyable show with a little bit of a storyline work as well, so... Yeah, good to just have Chikara back in general. Absolutely, so it's a wonderful product. Uh, you know, whatever bumps and bruises they might get along the way. Uh, we start off the show with a what I thought was a really good vignette of a character who was becoming one of my favorites, Blank. He is uh, painting on his um, protege slash creation, still life with apricots and pears, uh, changing that white attire to uh, ever more colorful. Um, visuals I, I i don't know quite how to say it but yeah uh it's a good gimmick with the white gear and adding like more paint onto it continuously that, that's very nice he's wondering how he can learn uh, everything there's to know about penelope ford maybe getting a little bit of a obsession with her after the match they had at the season finale so uh i gotta say first really love this vignette second I kind of thought the long turnaround time might be because we could see more of these, but this was the only one on the show, which was a little sad to me. I'm sure they're time-consuming to make and kind of a pain, but I really love them when they do them. So, you know, if you are going to take a long time, I'd sure love to see maybe a few more of these. Yes, uh, this was really this was just a great vignette in general. Just uh, I, I am in love with the blank character. I've I just just everything about him is so creepy and yet it's just so fitting and he can kind of mix that kind of creepiness with some goofiness every once in a while he's kind of just a he's got a whole bunch going on that's just really uh fun and exciting to watch does blank um i like his work with still life and you know actually painting on him uh just just everywhere you know covering his top his chest his face just everything with paint is just a cool visual and a cool idea for like a sort of evolving gear gimmick of sorts is really cool uh, but yeah i was very uh i can't say i was very disappointed but i was certainly uh i noticed that this was like the only actual like vignette on the show uh really, of that promo style of any kind, so. except the one they did in the ring so mm-hmm. you know one so. of the best thing one of my favorite things in shikara is you know for most matches they do like a little promo beforehand just one of the people you know speaking saying silly things or you know just uh 
generic tough guy things. They're just showing their personality a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, anyway, you can just take your little camera, you know, backstage before the show or something. I mean, like, I'm telling you, but you guys did it this whole time. So I would just, like, bring that back somehow if you can. That would be great. Indeed. Indeed. Oh, well. First match we get uh, is following right off that vignette is Penelope Ford versus Still Life Apricots and Pears. This creator, Blank, uh, backing him up in his corner. Um, there wasn't a whole lot to this, I thought. I like Penelope Ford. I have no problem with Still Life. You know, he's still learning. Um, but uh, I felt like there was hardly any match, almost, as Penelope Ford really wins with just uh, seemingly just a few minutes. So I don't know what to make of that exactly. Yes, it was... Uh... I mean, I had a fun time, but there was not a whole lot to this. It felt very, fairly short, uh, fairly, uh, I don't know, this this definitely existed. I was, I think I was just, you know, I'm happy to see Blank, I'm happy to see Jakara back, so I was just kind of sure. into this, just sort of kind of like, yay, Jakara, but not necessarily for the match itself, which was, I thought, uh, for what they actually did in this match was all right, I guess, uh, Penelope before did hit a nice, uh, sort of handspring cutter, which is always uh, just kind of cool to see in a match, and it actually seemed to come, you know, intelligently, not necessarily like uh, Jay Lethal's occasional lethal injections that just seemed really telegraphed, uh, you know, kind of came out of nowhere, picks up the victory. Afterwards, uh, this to me was the, like, best part of the match, was actually apply some lipstick and yells at Blank, oh, you like art? You know, apply some lipstick to herself, leans down and plants a kiss on the knocked out uh, still life, I believe a kind of a mark on him, you know, her own sort of paint, as it were, on still life before walking off. And Blank actually came into the ring, had his camera, and took a few photos of the now uh, unconscious and in pain uh, still life. So the the after match stuff, the the pre match and the post match stuff, I thought was really cool and compelling and very interesting. And then the match just sort of happened as it were so yeah good good before good after all right uh during i guess <laughs> yeah, that's one way to look at it certainly uh move on to the second match which is four-way elimination tag team match kind of a uh, signature of chikara and uh, we have uh the produce wheel team of volgar and frantic the uh los ice creams duo the green ant and thief ant colony team and a new team, Solo Darling and Willow Nightingale, the bird and the bee. And I always thought that it was, Huckabee was the bee because of the bee in his name. Because his name was Huckabee, but <laughs> I, I, I guess not. I don't Apparently know. Not. I, I don't know. I usually like sugar and insects like sugar. So maybe, I don't know. It's just a, a clever name, I guess. Um, so, yeah, uh, I thought this was uh, pretty good as far as it went. Uh, the ice creams. Do some comedy. They get pinned first. They always do a good job. Uh, the ants get pinned second, which I was surprised. They're actually pinned very easily, I thought, considering they are uh, King of Trios, you know, winners. Um, but they went down. Uh, Solo and Willow actually get the win after uh, Willow does a moonsault. And I uh, got to say, really uh, enjoyed Solo Darling and Willow Nightingale. I know Will- Willow Nightingale dealing with some injury stuff right now. Hopefully she returns to the ring soon, and we get to see more of this team, because I would like to see more of them. Yes, indeed. I thought everyone was very fun in this match. I thought everyone was very uh, very good. Los Ice Creams are doing Los Ice Cream things, being very goofy and silly, and just, you know, you have a lot of fun time with them. Uh, the ants, as always, look really good. 
Um, I think Green Ant is, you know, he has been one of my favorite young guys to watch. The fan seems to really be coming into his own as well. I never really super highly thought of the fan as being great. Like, I, his shtick is kind of fun, but he always seemed like the lesser of the two young ants, but I think he came and uh, looked pretty good in this match here. Um, sort of the Proteus Wheel dudes. I'm uh, actually coming. I think I thought both of them looked really good. They're not, uh, not quite Calyx the Castigator level, but, um, they're definitely coming along super well, I thought. They both looked really intimidating in this match. Volgar had a sequence uh, with the ants kind of early on. That kind of just blew my mind. He's got to show off a little bit of athleticism, showed off some power. He was looking great, so... Yeah, those three teams ruled, and the eventual winners, Solo Darling and Willow Nightingale, I don't think I've actually seen Willow Nightingale up until this point. If I have, I've forgotten. I've been a couple times. I don't. I, they said that on commentary, and I'm like, I do not remember this ever Probably happening. Probably just in like a Young Lions Cup four way or something, so not, Possibly. not significantly. But uh, I thought she looked good. I thought they had uh, some great chemistry together. Did the Bird and the Bee team? Um, you know, I've become a big fan of Solo Darling, so she was nice to see here. I thought she was doing some good work. Um, yeah, really just a fun four-way match would get hectic a few times. Um, did think the ants getting eliminated second, not necessarily bad, but the way it happened was not Yeah, uh, like I said, it seemed to happen so easily that yeah, I didn't really get that quite. Yeah, one of the uh, Proteus Wheel dudes threw Solo Darling at Thiefant, if I recall. Thiefant kind of caught her but got squashed and then got pinned for a three-count, which... I don't know. know. Didn't seem quite fitting, I guess. Yeah, it didn't really look like he hit near hard enough to go down from that, so a bit of a weird moment. But it's fine. They're the King of Trios. I'm sure they'll bounce back. You know, Green and Thiefant, fairly resilient rookies. They'll get another shot and do some fun stuff later. In the end, the uh, Burden to Be do indeed win. Uh, Really fun four-way tag match here. I had a really great time with it. Fun stuff. For sure, for sure. Uh, I want to say a few things that here is as good a place as any. Uh, One, I really like the venue that they were at. Um, Oh, yeah. Really, really nice-looking place. Some uh, nice big windows to the outside, which I always like to see because you don't see it that often. Uh, looked really cool. Which meant like a lot of shadows kind of bounced around. Yeah, we'll talk about yeah. this more, I think. Yeah. There's a Juan Francisco de Coronado, uh, Juan Francisco de Coronado versus Missile Assault Man match that I really want to talk about when we get there because I loved it. Oh, yeah. But just one of the big things that I noticed in that match was because they had this nice big window and there was like some shadow, uh, you know, shadows being tossed into the ring and that just created a really cool visual that you don't see a whole lot of in professional wrestling so it was just just like really neat to seeing just gave it a very different and uh just cool vibe to be a uh, watching national pro wrestling day from that spot really cool stuff yeah very much so um but the point i also wanted to make uh, along with that is uh i kind of would have liked to see i don't know like um one of the first shows I watched was the last one before the shutdown, and one moment on that show was, I think, Fire Ant, like, climbing up into the balcony and jumping down. Mm-hmm. I was like, so cool. And they had, like, this little balcony area almost right above the ring, and I thought, oh, man, somebody's going to jump off of that. It's going to be really awesome. You know, it's like a, like a, just, like, it was made for that. It, it seemed so clear, and it never happened. Nobody even really teased it, so... I was a little sad about that. I thought, you know, surely there are guys on this show who would have been willing to do that. So, I don't know. 
maybe there was some logistical reason that they couldn't, or I don't know. I just, uh, I don't know. I want to see some guys out there maybe taking a few more chances, you know, being safe, of course, but, uh, I don't know. Uh, create some high spectacle, you know, be memorable. I don't know. There's a lot of good guys in the Chikara roster, but I thought that was a big missed opportunity. I, I, I don't think I even really noticed that at all. And it really occurred to me, um, I don't know why. I just never did. I was perfectly fine with all the action everybody was doing. Um, I certainly was not let down personally by there being no uh, dives, especially on like the first show of the year. If this was like in the middle of the season and you know there was an opportunity to do something really cool and it didn't happen, I'd say like, all right, well, you know, that that kind of sucks. But I don't know. At the beginning of the season, the first show of the year for Chikara, you don't know how much. Uh, potential ring rust these guys have, you know, have their feel in this new venue. Um, you know, everybody seemed really crammed in there uh, to the point where, like, outside dives at all seemed like a very risky proposition. So you can definitely see why they might not have wanted to do something, even if it was going to head into the ring off the dive. You know, just, I don't know how great of a proposition that looked. Um yeah, in general, yeah. In general I, just, I had no real – I never really noticed this. Like, I, I noticed the balcony, but it never really sort of occurred to me to put that sort of two and two together. So I was unbothered by this uh, almost entirely. never really even uh, occurred to me to think about that. Well, fair enough, I guess, as far as it goes. But uh, it, it feeds into my larger thinking, and which is this. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's just very low buzz around Shikara right now, you know, fair or not. Uh, I feel like most people are just not watching, and that's really sad to me in a time of uh, an independent wrestling boom, uh, really, if anything. Um, so I don't know. I just, uh, I guess I'm just really wanting Chikara to like seize the moment to really try to go all out. And even though I did like the show, I don't know if it necessarily felt like they were going all out exactly. You know, they've been gone for about three months, like we talked about. This is a chance to kind of come back, maybe uh, draw some people into the new season, and. I don't know. We got some of that, but it felt like we could have got more. So it wasn't just that spot. It was maybe just a more general feeling that I want you kind of like try to seize those moments a little more. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. That That's just kind of my general feeling, I guess. And, I see. I see. I definitely feel your point on Chikara having a lack of uh, interest and lack of buzz surrounding them. It's something that I think has plagued Chikara for a little bit of time now. Um, especially after the shutdown, people seem to be less interested in Jakara on the whole because of it. Um, it's, it's just very unfortunate. I do agree because Jakara has been, as always, kind of knocking the doors down and uh, putting out some just really quality stuff. It's been fun to watch Jakara over the past several seasons as some of their younger talents became more seasoned veterans, became even better wrestlers. Um, some of the storylines they've been doing, I've been really like interested in. So it, it does sting that you know, as guys who watch this product, as guys who enjoy this product, that there isn't quite as much buzz or hype or anything around the company. And I don't necessarily think that's the company's fault, but they can, as always, try to do some more things to you know liven up the company and sort of bring in that sort of buzz. I remember. I don't remember if it was last year. I definitely know for Dasher Hatfield getting to take on guys like Moose and Keith Lee. Uh, and I think there was a Matt Riddle versus Mr. Touchdown. And I think a David Starr versus Mr. Touchdown match either last season or the season before. 
Um, those types of things are good. I think in general, um, kind of like to see Chikara branch out a little bit more with some of the dudes and dudettes and people in general that they bring in for the company. Like, this is the show, National Pro Wrestling Day, where I think they could have used something like that. Just one, like, not necessarily like, oh, I'm a new guy or I'm, you know, somebody trained out of the Midwest, but like a fairly decent-sized name to sort of come in, you know, celebrate National Pro Wrestling Day with us, maybe try to find a, a Colt Cabana if he's available, something like that, just... Just, just something, just even one small thing to kind of liven the process up a little bit and try to generate that buzz. Because I don't necessarily blame them for, you know, people not giving Jakara the, the due that they deserve. But at the same time, there are ways you can bring that buzz up for yourself. And I think National Pro Wrestling Day getting in a cool uh, either new arrival or return to Chikara with a nice high profile or higher profile would have been uh, – Something to try to look into. I don't know if they did or didn't. I don't know the backstage workings of companies. I'm not going to claim that I do, but yeah, just in general, something could have happened. For sure, and like you said, who knows what may be going on. I know Chigar certainly uh, has operated on a very low budget out of necessity. They've uh, had issues with key talent, you know, leaving, um, you know, going on to uh, bigger paydays and everything. So lots of stuff can happen certainly but uh anyway just wanted to briefly talk about that um no you know what this show needed what? orange cassidy well, this show needed orange cassidy. i'm really baffled with the popularity of orange cassidy really just all over the place now powerbomb tv independent champion uh going on evolve to wrestle whoever it was like fan voted um he was supposed to take on Ricochet. Ricochet was making an appearance at Evolve, and I think it was like Shane Strickland. Might have, was it Shane Strickland? Might not have been. It was somebody, uh, AR Fox, and Orange Cassidy who were in the voting, and Orange Cassidy won by a landslide. I think then Ricochet got immediately called up afterwards, which I'm telling you, I don't care what anybody says. Was the WWE watching Orange Cassidy going, oh no, oh god no, this would be great, but also we can't do this, oh god, uh, have Velveteen Dream instead, I don't know how much better or worse that is, I don't actually know much about Velveteen Dream, but I'm telling you, in, in my heart of hearts, I know it to be true, that WWE was like, alright, we're going to send Ricochet to Evolve to do another match, because that'll be fun, and then Evolve said, alright, we're going to give it to the fans to vote, and they voted Orange Cassidy, and WWE was like, well, never mind, we're not going to do that, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what happened, I'm telling you, it's what happened. Uh, it, it may very well have happened, but yes, yeah, certainly a natural fit for Chikara, and you know, not to peek under any hoods, but certainly somebody who ought to be available for these shows, so... Oh, well, we'll leave that to one side. Uh, moving on, getting back to the actual card. Next matchup is uh, Icarus against a new face, Christian Cobain, who is a post-apocalyptic warrior. Uh, possibly his first ever debut anywhere. Could easily be a WrestleFactory guy. I'm not 100% on that, but, uh, yeah. Well, they say that he was trained out of the Midwest. I think he was working under Princess Kimberly, if I recall, they said, and had some experience working with... <laughs> I think they said the Christs. I think I heard the Christs brought up as part of his uh, training or trainers and work and stuff. So he's definitely, uh, I don't know how much work he's actually done, but he definitely seems like a, not necessarily a strict uh, Chikara 
graduate, but someone who has experience from elsewhere, which is always cool to see Chikara bring in, in guys like that. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, yep, this match, um, it was um, oh, it, it was fine. It was all right. I, I really don't have a lot to say about it, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was a fun time. Uh, Icarus is always a, a treat to watch, I think. Uh, especially, you know, going back to his more Rudo-esque side has always been fun to watch. Um, he took some nice bumps in this match. He made uh, Christian Cobain look pretty good. Christian, Christian Cobain, I think, uh, might need a little bit more in general seasoning. He did hit a nice super kick. He did have a couple of cool uh, spots, but he definitely felt like a guy who could, who could use a little bit uh, more on the plate for him, so to speak. Uh, in the end, Icarus actually picks up the victory. Uh, which I was, I was kind of surprised by. I thought uh, uh, Cobain seemed to be really, everybody seemed to appreciate him and really liked him, and Icarus manages to pull it off, hits the, uh, hits the Blu-ray, hit a couple of moves, ends up picking up the win against him. So good on Icarus, good on Icarus. Yep, uh, always a fan of Icarus, very heelish. Um, good guy, good guy. Uh, all right, yeah, let's talk about the match I really want to talk about. Juan Francisco to Coronado taking on Missile Salt Man, which, yes, was by far and away my favorite on the card. I thought uh, this was an absolute pleasure, just as I hoped it would be. Really just two of the finest talents Shikara has on the roster. These, these are the two guys, you know, who I thought were, were out there hitting it out of the park. They did absolutely phenomenal together. I was so, so pleased with this one. I, I genuinely have to say, right now, I know it's only been you know three months into the year, or less than that, actually, almost two and a half months into the year, but I think this is an early, uh, uh, just a really high-quality match. might be one of my top 20, top 15 matches of the year so far. This was just, I don't know, I had a blast with this. You have two supremely talented dudes in Juan Francisco and Missile Assault Man, going out there and proving why they are two supremely talented dudes. This match was so... It was worked so smartly. It was worked so efficiently. Like, both guys really knew what they were doing coming into this match and knew what they wanted to get out of this match. Um, he had Juan Francisco being sneaky, but also being smart. She also had him getting his leg worked over, so he had to work around that. Yeah, Mr. Saltman also being smart, but being a little bit more vicious about it, throwing some nice uppercuts and doing some nice uh, inverted dragon screws every once in a while on Juan to work over that leg. Um, just a lot of really great sequences in this match. I, I genuinely cannot speak highly enough about both of the men. In you, know here. you know I love Juan, you know I love Missile Assault Man, and like I said, they went out there and proved, you know, that they are just as good as we on the Global Revolution think they are. They just knocked it out of the park, easily one of my favorite matches of the year right now, really the highlight of this show, and Missile Assault Man picks up the victory. Which I was not expecting. Um, I love Missile Assault Man, but Juan Francisco is always the kind of dude who, you know, going into most Juan Francisco matches, I expect him to find his way to a victory, and he did not hear. Missile Assault Man hits him with the reverse DDT and manages to get the shocking pin on him, and I was, I was feeling it. Good stuff. Just a great match from beginning to end. Good finish. Good work from both of these guys who are just two of my favorites. Yeah, I cannot. Uh, you have to go out and watch this match. If you watch 
only one match from National Pro Wrestling Day you have to watch. Missile Assault Man versus Juan Francisco de Coronado. As good as you can expect. Yep, yep. Super, super good. Uh, I believe it was after this match that Juan, still in the ring, gets uh, handed uh, an envelope, a big manila envelope from uh, someone that we don't know. He looks in the envelope. He seems very concerned, very distressed, very unhappy. But what he sees, throws it aside, heads for the back. Don't know what that could be. Uh, interested. Always interested in anything to do with Juan Francisco de Coronado. He's being called back to Ecuador. He can no longer wrestle in Chicago. <laughs> Disinherited. That's, that's no, I'm don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God, I hope right, not. But right. get a feeling it's going to have something to do with his... Uh, Ecuadorian aristocracy, as it were. So that'll be fun to see unfold in the future. Indeed, indeed. Um, all right, yeah, moving on. We get uh, another promo, really, first. Um, they, they start to try to announce the next match, I think, back from intermission. But who should arrive but Mr. Touchdown, showing back up the true grand champion of the company, He's coming down. He's demanding to talk to his step-cousin-in-law, Dasher Hatfield. First of all, he gets Boomer Hatfield, Dasher's son, comes out and basically has a touchdown promise that he won't uh, just punch Dasher in the face as soon as he sees him. Then we have uh, Dasher coming out, looking great, I might add, dressed uh, very Looking suave as heck. (laughs) As heck. Saying uh, he was happy for touchdown when he won the title. He was heartbroken when he got injured at King of Trios. But when Mr. When Mark Angel said he came back, Dash denied him the title out of fear that he was not ready to defend it yet. Wasn't willing to hand over that belt for that reason. He says Mark needs to trust him now like he has in the past to steer him in the right direction and offers him a chance to prove that he is actually ready which leads directly into the next match, but uh, I'll let you go and speak on this promo first, if you want to do so. Yes, indeed. Uh, Mark Angel said he fired up, looking really good, but Dasher Hatfield, man. I've, you, you know me. I've been riding the Dasher Hatfield train for a couple of years now. I think he's uh, maybe Chikara's best dude in general. Um and I didn't know if I was going to be feeling this uh, Rudo turn from him. Uh, it was something I kind of didn't want to see to begin with. Uh, but then they did it, and I was compelled. And they come out and have this promo from Dasher. And it is not what I expected in a really, really positive manner. I kind of love this um, almost overprotective father that you know isn't really... Um, you just kind of get this very slimy vibe from him, despite the fact that he is really positioning himself, Dasher, in a way that almost makes you kind of see his logic. and like, yeah, okay, I kind of get that. This guy got himself hurt, gave you the championship, you were supposed to defend it for him, and I get that. Maybe you are worried that you know he's going to just immediately come back. And, you know, maybe he's not ready. Maybe he needs to work off the ring rug. Maybe he needs to make sure his leg is prepared. You don't want to give him the title in case something like that happens. I, I kind of see that. kind of understand that. But the way you go about it, the way you talk about it, the way you present yourself about it, just there's just something a little bit off, a little bit 
um, concerning not just in what he's actually saying, but the way he's saying it, the way he's presenting himself. You just, I don't know, it's really good. I was really compelled by this promo. I'm really compelled by the direction that he seemed to be taking Dasher Hatfield in. I'm just, I'm all about this. This is going to be, I think, this was a really good promo. I think this is going to be a really good storyline that they've got working between touchdown and Dasher. I'm, I'm, I'm all about this. I'm into it. I want to see where it goes. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I'm really enjoying Dasher's overbearing, like, I know best uh, character. Yes. I think it's going to be absolutely spectacular. I'm loving it. And, and, and once again, I want to reiterate, boy, did Dasher Hatfield look suave in a suit with <laughs> yeah. suspenders at killer time. Man, that was a good look. It looked awesome. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, all right, yeah, uh, we go right into the match, as I said, Dasher brings out none other than Calix, the castigator, a very odd and, man for Dasher I, to be associating with. And that's part, uh, to me, that's really a part that sells the kind of, you know, he's falsely being overbearing, was the fact that, you know, he could have called on anybody, he could have called on any of his friends from the back, you know, he could have been like, oh, Fire Ant I talked to, or maybe Ophidian, somebody he had, maybe not Ophidian after the last match, but, you know, somebody who's, you know, he spent some time in Chikara with, somebody he has some sort of good connection with, and he could be like, hey, you know, my, you know, Mark Angel said he's coming back, I want you to face him, maybe let's see if he's ready for, you know, a return to the ring and a return to, you know, glory for the Grand Championship. That's not, he didn't choose anybody like that. He chose... Calix the Castigator, the largest member of the Chikara roster, a guy in the Proteus wheel associated with Dr. Nicodemus, who are, you know, he's just big, bad dudes, and that's the guy he chose to, to go on and take on Mark Angelus Eddie to prove if he was ready? No, there's no, 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 Dasher. That is not how you do this, and that's what I love about it. That's what makes it, like, this immediate, like, purposeful disconnect, basically. And it's just, ah, I, 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 I saw what was happening, and I was really just, once again, I'm all about this. I love kind of Dasher's face motivation, but very kind of heelish decision-makings here. Ah, so good to me. So good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the match itself, I thought, was perfectly fine. A little bit short, but I enjoyed it. You got uh, Calix doing Calix things. A fun big man. I like Calix a lot. Mr. Touchdown, indeed, able to put him away with a superplex, no less. Superplex on the big man. That ruled. Yeah, absolutely ruled. After the match, Dash said, nope, that match, you might have won, but you showed me you were not 100%. And uh, Dasher says that he is going to continue to defend that title until Mr. Touchdown is ready and challenges Mr. Touchdown to get three points to prove that he's actually ready to defend that title again. So seems like Touchdown will probably have to fight his way back to a title shot. Fair or not, possession is nine-tenths of the law, and I think that's what we're going to have to see. That's Once again, that's another just great detail. I think the thing Dasher said was, you know, it was essentially something like 100% is not good enough. So even if, you know, even if Mark Angel said he is 100% physically ready, 100% prepared, 100%, as Dasher said, is not good enough. That's just so horrible 
and yet so true at the same time in the context of professional wrestling. Just that, oh, that was also really good. And, you know, just in general, like, now he's moved the goalposts, so you can definitely tell he's not really uh, sincere about this. Oh, yeah, you, you won that match, but you winning that match doesn't mean anything. Uh, if you want to be a title contender in Chikara, you got to get three points. So if you get three points, you can come get your title back if you want it. But until then, you still got work to do. It's just It's so awful and slimy and yet, you know, sensible in a way. It's just, ah, uh, love it. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, very good stuff. Uh, we move the show right along. We come to a tag team match. It is Murloc and Oceania. Taking on Blanche Babish and Jeremy Leary. And I gotta say, I really enjoyed this. It's probably my second favorite match on the whole card. Pretty excellent stuff. Murloc was looking in very fine form. Oceania looking great. Blanche and Leary um, are, uh, you know, they're a little hit or miss for me, but I think uh, they do pretty good together. I thought they had a strong showing here. And uh, really enjoyed Bryce Ramsburg also being involved. Always loved Bryce at one point having his hand thrown into Murloc as if to chop him, and yet uh, Bryce is the one who came away hurt, so that that was pretty brilliant, I thought. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, Blanche, I think, needs some more seasoning, and Jeremy Leary uh, historically has not always been my favorite person in Chikara, but he's much more enjoyable as a face, so I enjoy the chemistry they have. Might need to work on some of their in-ring stuff, but I think they're fine. I think they're a fun team. Oceany and Murloc, however, rule. Uh, Murloc himself is just you put Murloc in a match and that match is instantly like must watch for me I don't know about you I know about you of course you think that but um, in general Mur if Murloc's there I'm about it uh, Oceania is also here Oceania looking pretty good as well just just yeah really just a fun tag team match here some some nice stuff from both teams in the end uh, the Creatures of the Deep Side picks up the victory and picks up their second point towards title contention so uh, if if the Whisper and Princess Kimberly can uh, maintain their reign for that long, you know we might eventually see uh, these two teams uh, taking on one another with the uh, Campeones de Parejas on the line, and that might be a fun one. I think that could be there's a lot of potential there in a Whisper Kimberly Oceania Murloc tag match. So looking forward to that if it does indeed happen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um. What is the uh, title wave? Yeah, getting the win, as you said, for Murloc and Oceania. And yeah, I agree. I would love to see that match. So uh, we move on to a match. Well, it was a match. Um, <laughs> the next matchup is Hollow Wicked taking on Officer Warren Barksdale, a figure who just keeps showing up. He sure just keeps showing up. Um, I, I have to admit, um, I was positively, happily, kind of thrown off kilter by Officer Warren Barksdale in this match. I don't know if he's been trained a little bit harder. I don't know if it's just that he's got Hallowicked in there. I don't know if this was just a particularly decent night for him, because he still stumbled a little bit here and there in the ring. So he's definitely still got some of that Officer Warren Barksdale uh, stuff about him. So that wasn't great. But in general, I was very pleasantly surprised with Officer Warren Barksdale in this match. I don't think he should have won. If I remember correctly, he does ultimately do in this match. That's that's never a, a great sign, I think, especially not over a dude like Hallow Wicked. But um, I thought he was moving pretty crisply in the ring. 
thought it was looking pretty good for the most part. He was hitting a bunch of just nice arm drags throughout this match um, and really just kind of blew me away from the uh, Officer Warren Barksdale I am more accustomed to. We did see, like I said, a little bit of that. He had a couple of stumbles here and there, a couple of moments that just made it clear that, oh, yeah, this is this is indeed Officer Warren Barksdale. and This is who he is. Um and I'm still not super, super keen on the uh, the gimmick overall. Um, just doesn't work for me. And they try to do a, oh, yes, look, someone actually found something in a wrestler's uh, boot before the match thing, which, eh, I guess it happened. It existed. That was a thing that happened. But in general, in the ring, I was uh, way more into Officer Warren Barksdale in this match than I have ever been in the past. So that is something I have to give props to him for in this one against Tyler Wicked. Um, disagree. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't like to be too negative. You know, he's out there, he's trying. It's not his uh, full-time job or anything. But, yeah, I don't know. I thought sloppy, off-timing, just, I don't know. This. I don't know. What, what you were seeing, I was not seeing. So, uh, all of that is one thing. But then he won the match. He beat Hollow Wicked. And he yeah, looked he terrible did. doing it, honestly. So, I don't know what the heck we were doing. I don't know. I was very uh, off-put by this match. You know, on, a, on overall, very good card. This match was very off-putting to me. So, that's, uh, that's just my opinion as a fan. I was not uh, looking forward to this match when it was booked. Like I said, I ultimately ended up being more pleasantly surprised here than Miz fan was, but still can't can't quite abide by the decision to have uh, Officer Warren Barksdale go over Hallow Wicked. So, yeah, just just a, a, a mixed bag overall, but at least one that I personally walked away from having a more enjoy, enjoyable time, more enjoyable time than a Miz fan did, I guess. Apparently, so very weird. I really don't know where that's going. Certainly. Certainly. Um, but yeah, we got a couple more matches on the show to talk about. First one is Fist versus the Cyberhawks. That that was very cool. And I put in my notes, I think I kind of wrote out the matches before I actually saw the card, but uh, I thought it was going to be Dangerhawk. It was actually Nighthawk, though, wasn't it? It was, in this match. It was Nighthawk. I thought Nighthawk was dead. I don't know why I thought no, that. No, I think it was Silverhawk that Silverhawk died. Silverhawk did die, yes, uh, or went offline, I should say. Um, but I, it's fine. I got no beef with uh, Nighthawk. Um, I got to say, I thought this was really good while it lasted. Um, but it did not last very no, long. It was though, so short. I was really shocked. I thought this could have been easily one of the best matches on the card. Uh, I'm really impressed with all of these guys, frankly, especially, you know, I've talked about Huckabee. I think he's an amazing talent. Razor Rock, I think, is an amazing talent. Deppin, very good. Nighthawk, you know, nice to see him. He does a solid job. I don't know. This could have this could have maybe been a bit of a show stealer, but really only seemed to go a few minutes. So I don't know what was up with that. I definitely think they have potential to be the best match on the card, and definitely at the very least the second or third best match on this card, considering it had Juan Francisco versus Mr. Saltman on it. Like, all four guys, I think, uh, fairly highly of. Huckabee and Razorhawk being the uh, standouts, but I've been a Deppin guy for a while, especially once he's coming to Fist, and Nighthawk has improved tremendously compared to where we initially saw him and was just, 
you know, he's become very fun. He's become a very fitting member of the uh, Cyberhawks. So these are four guys that I like. Fortunately, did not get a whole lot of time. What they did in that time was good. I, I, I just enjoyed seeing all four of these dudes do their thing. A lot of good teamwork from both sides, you know. In general, this was a good time. I just wish there had been more time to it so that it could have been even more good for longer. But... That is what it is, and Fist actually ends up picking up the victory. Huckabee rolling up a Nighthawk to walk to help Fist walk away with the W, and I'm sure that's Eaton Razor Huck up on the inside. They have that issue between uh, both these sides, specifically uh, Razor and Travis, so I'm sure that's going to eat him up a little bit on the inside. But yeah, in general... Good match, just really do wish it had gotten more time, because this was a match that could have, I think, exceeded just being good with all four of the participants in here. So, bit disappointed. Bit disappointed. Yeah, but uh, hopefully we get a lot more of it um, along the way. Oh, I'm sure we will. Absolutely. I'm sure we will. Um, last but not least, we have our main event, which is a Campionato State Pereas match. The tag team titles, essentially, Princess Kimberly and the Whisper on one side, that uh, unlikely team of champions taking on Crumbles and Defarge on the other side of the ring. Um, and I gotta say, this was sort of a weird match, I thought. Like, certainly some good stuff in it. Uh, I'm a fan of a lot of the people involved, but uh, the champions end up winning two straight falls when Cornelius Crumbles apparently couldn't continue. And I don't know if he was genuinely injured. Uh, I certainly hope not, but it could be the case. I don't know if it's some sort of story about it. I, I really don't know. I didn't know what to make of it exactly. So I I personally feel like this ended up being a a sort of work, and I didn't. I I don't know. So the first fall, I thought everything leading up to the first fall made for a pretty good match. I thought uh, both sides were looking good, playing up the storyline between. Uh, Kimberly and Whisper not really trusting one another, not really liking one another, especially Kimberly towards Whisper. Um, everything that ended up leading into that first fall, I thought, was really good stuff. The second fall, however, um, Cornelius Crumbles ends up with uh, Whisper on his shoulders, and I think they're like in the corner, and Kimberly's there as well. They're like uh, jaw-jacking back and forth between uh, Whisper and Kimberly, and Kimberly pushes him, and what it's supposed to do is turn into a um, a reverse Rana on Cornelius Crummels. Unfortunately, the uh, the bump itself didn't quite end up being perfect, and Crummels got kind of dumped on his head. Um, he would have been dumped on his head anyway, but he got kind of twisted instead of just flipping backwards. It was not the prettiest sight on Earth. Um, but I just, I could not escaped the idea that this had been done sort of on purpose because you know you never see that like ever especially not in Chikara that I've noticed I don't you don't usually see guys get dropped and then immediately like oh right that's that's the match um, I don't know something about that felt very it felt like they were trying to do something to further the idea of Whisper and Kimberly like kind of lucking into victories by the two of them like the two of them essentially, especially Kimberly, like does something to Whisper that somehow manages to pick up the victory for the team, and Kimberly can further just not believe that that actually happened, uh, which is essentially the case here because 
Crumbles Crumbles gets dumped on his head. Um, Bryce immediately checks on him, like raises his arm once, watches the drop, goes, all right, no, 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 match is over, match is over. And and like you saw the look on the two of their faces, like the whisperer's like, oh, we did it again. We just picked up another win. We're the champions one more time. And Kimberly looked disgusted, like I can't believe I just did that to help Whisper once again pick up a victory. So to to me, it felt like, you know, that's not a finish I've ever seen in Chicago before. And it felt like a finish that they sort of generated, like, you know, not something that kind of normally happens ever in Chicago, not a finish I've ever seen where one guy gets, you know, dropped on the mat and then the referee checks on him to see if he's conscious or not. And then when he's like, up, he's not conscious. Well, I guess it's over. Um, I don't know. Something about that just felt very, very much like they were trying to further that sort of angle between them. And it just didn't quite work out um, that way. Like, it didn't really come across great. Now, if it was a genuine injury, um, hopefully Cornelius Crumbles is healing up well. Because I, I like Crumbles and the Farts. I've heard they're pretty decent dudes outside the ring. So, you know, any type of injury like that sucks. Like, that really just, you know, hopefully if that was legit, hopefully it wasn't. But if it was, hopefully he's healing up well. Uh, best of luck to him in his recovery, if so. But uh, if not, it felt very, I don't know. I just, if it wasn't legit, I just, I wasn't feeling this, this, this ending here. It just didn't quite connect with me the way they probably wanted it to. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, no, I like I said, I was feeling kind of the same. Some about this was weird to me. I also wasn't sure maybe if we're supposed to get the idea that Kimberly is like injuring people now, and she's like I don't know, getting more evil or getting more reckless, or she's just thrown off by having the team with the whisper. So I don't know. I don't know everything I was supposed to take away from this, but I guess time will tell mm-hmm. about that. I will say, like the, I am the, really okay if these two are not champions for a real long time. You know, the whole, oh, we're partners that don't like each other. Like, it's sort of interesting, but it's also like, how do you win matches if you don't even like each other? You know, there are teams who like each other and are working together really well and really hard. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the first uh, really reasonably good team they come up against should probably take them apart. Yeah, like... To me, it really just feels like the thing we're supposed to take away from this is that Kimberly does not like the Whisper and does not want to team with him. But every time Kimberly tries to do something to, like, ruin their title reign, she ends up inadvertently helping them win. And I was about it the first time when she hit the German suplex to accidentally dump him onto the closer to pin him and win. Like, that was, that was, that was something I was actually about. This one here... Didn't play off super well, I thought. And like I said, if it wasn't a legitimate injury, it felt like they sort of just kind of generated something instead of like, oh, she pushes him into like a roll-up and he wins. Like that would have made sense. But he pushes her into a to hitting somebody, and because he hit them, now the referee has to check on him, which, you know, I very rarely see a referee check on a dude and just be like, up, oh, he's KO'd. Like, KO is not a common victory source as far as I am aware in pro wrestling. So I, 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 I don't know. It just it didn't quite connect the way I think it was supposed to have. Like, I get what they're trying to do, but this did not, especially compared to the first time, this did not just, at least to me, feel like the right direction to take this in the right direction to go. I was not, wasn't quite about this the way it went down. 
Yep, I think we're on the same page here. So, yeah, and uh, that really just wrapped up the show as well. There wasn't anything really to come after it or uh, anything much to else say. So, yeah, it was a good show. It was fun to see Chikara back, but, uh, oh, could have been a little better. Could have given a little more time to certain people. I don't know. I had a good time with it, but uh, I want to see the next show. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. For sure, definitely looking for the future or towards the future for Chikara. Um, had a nice time with this one. Definitely looking forward to seeing what they do next. Absolutely. All right, that leads us directly to our uh, second promotion. I know you want to talk a whole lot about this. I'm sure you've been waiting to do it. You got to talk about some Dragon Gate. So why don't you go ahead and take the lead oh, on yeah. it for us here? Certainly. The show we're going to be talking about was from March 7th. Uh, Glorious Gate 2019, a very uh, interesting show, man, evented by a four-way eight-man tag team match, which we'll be talking about in a uh, little bit. But first, we're going to start off with uh, Masato Yoshino, uh, Kaito Ishida, and Jason Lee of Maximum. First, they come out and cut a, cut a small promo really quickly, doing some uh, uh, gong kids stuff to kick off the show. But three of them is uh, Maximum will be taking taking on the team of Hiroshi Yamato, Mundai Ryu, and Dragon Daya. I don't know if you are aware, but Dragon Daya is the protege of one Dragon Kid. So he was like, his, his, I don't know if he's necessarily like actually his son or anything, but he is like Dragon Kid's uh, protege, Dragon Kid's like trainee, um, following in that lineage. So I missed his uh, debut match a few months back, but this was cool to see him here. And yeah, they just have a uh, pretty uh, fun and simple opening trios match. What did you think of this uh, trio, uh, trios action to kick off this Dragon Gate show? Uh, well, I thought it was fine, basically. I don't know if I necessarily thought it was uh, any more than that. But uh, yeah, these, uh, these, these can be a good way to kind of get a look at new people. Um, people who may be important in the future. Uh, yeah, so it was solid. Uh, I will say, Monday Rio needs to join R.E.D. yesterday, and the day before mm-hmm. that, and the day before that, and the day before that, because he is just, you know, he's wasted, I think, in this, like, bottom-level uh, babyface role. It's no good for me. Yes, indeed. He has a lot of potential... Um, especially in that sort of just annoying heel role, which he was so good in in the past and, and places like Mad Blanky and Berserk. So please get him back there. Like Mr. Fan said, yesterday, please, he is so good. Um, Ma- uh, Maximum ends up picking up the victory when Kaito Ishida hits a dragon deal with a tiger suplex. Um, I thought Kaito Ishida in particular looked good here. So did Jason Lee. Dragon Dio is interesting to check out. Um, yeah, just kind of a Dragon Gate opening trios match, and they do a lot of those, and they're typically very fine and pretty decently fun, but nothing really to um, write home about, so this was alright. The following match, um, kind of the comedy match of our show, we'll see a Hollywood stalker Ichikawa teaming up with Sachihoko Voi take on a very uh, interesting veteran team of Kanes and Masaki Mochizuki. And the shenanigans in this match were great. Um, 
There's a lot of play on Satyako Boy accidentally and then eventually intentionally hitting Stalker Ichikawa, who was at his uh, his comedy self in this match. So just really fun stuff. Um, the match ends in what I thought was a particularly funny Looney Tunes-esque uh, finish here where Stalker Ishikawa locks uh, Masaki Mochizuki in a uh, figure four leg lock. KNS comes in and rolls the two over so that the pressure is first. Uh, Mochizuki now with the advantage. Sachioko comes in and rolls them the other way so that they're back straight up. Uh, Stalker with the advantage. They do this back and forth for a little bit. Eventually, KNS comes in while Stalker has the advantage and fake flipping them over and does not actually do so. Uh, Satyoko Boy apparently does not notice that this was faked out. It rolls them over so that Masaki Mochizuki has the advantage, and Stalker eventually taps out with the pressure reversed and loses the match for his team. Um, I love Dragon Gate's comedy stuff, so this was a blast for me. I'm a big fan of Stalker Ichikawa. Um, yeah, I just had a ball with this one. It's always fun to see some of the more serious faces like uh, Mochizuki still getting in there to do some goofy things now and again on the main shows so yeah i just i had a ball with this one stalker is exactly my type of a uh, comedy shtick and yeah i love this what about you uh, yeah i thought it was very fun uh, my favorite moment was uh uh i'm trying to remember there was like a rough uh, bump or something Sagichikawa actually got like a, a lengthy pin on somebody and uh, would have won the match if the referee had been able to make the count uh, after this, uh, Saki Chikawa uh, berates the referee, says, ah, oh, how could you mess this up? You need to count faster, and uh, teaches him to, like, count as fast as possible, so, like, do a three count in, like, one second, and then, of course, turns around, immediately gets rolled up, and uh, is very nearly pinned uh, with a super fast three counts by his opponent, so that, that was great, I thought. I thought another particularly fun spot that I've seen uh, before that's always great is uh, Stalky Ishikawa tries to do a dive on the outside. He's leading Sachioka Boy into grabbing Kness and Mochizuki. And they're all, you know, gathered up, and Stalky Ishikawa goes onto the ropes, and he dives off, and all three dudes just immediately walk away as Stalker Ishikawa launches off, so he lands on absolutely nobody, not even his partner willing to help make sure it actually happened. Just they all scattered off, and Stalker hit the ground splat. Just, just, just goofy stuff that's right up my alley. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, we go on to our next match. Red getting their first uh, shot on the show. The Big Ben tag team of Ben K and Big R Shimizu teaming with the former Cyber Kong Takashi Yoshida take on a uh, very veteran uh, trio. Gamma, Super Shisa, and. Uh, maybe the icon here of the Global Revolution, Don Fuji, everyone's favorite, Don Fuji. Um, I had heard this match was a little bit on the fun side, so I was definitely looking forward to it. Don't quite know if it delivered on that front for me, but this was still a fairly good time. I always like seeing uh, Shisa around. Uh, Big R Shimizu, genuinely one of my favorite dudes. In fact, uh, him and Rin K being here, kind of surprised they didn't look better than... Than this, um, I know they're kind of running an angle with them where they're kind of costing R.E.D. matches and not making them look great as a stable, but genuinely thought them as uh, Twin Gate champions would look a little bit better here. But they were still a fun time. But of course, this is this is the Don Fuji show starring everyone else. Um, he ends up picking up the victory via Gato Clutch over Yoshida 
and uh, looked pretty solid throughout this match doing some fun stuff. So, yeah, this happened, and the veterans win. What did you think? Uh, well, I, I have a slightly mixed feeling because I agree. I think considering who was in this match, it could have been better. But it was also probably my second favorite match on the show. Um, so I definitely say something good for it. That was pretty good. You know, I'm an enormous Ben K fan. I thought he was looking pretty good. Big Cyber Kong fan. Uh, big R, big, big R Shimizu fan. It's weird. Big Don Fuji fan. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of good people in here that I like. Um, yeah, I don't know. Could have been better, I think. But still, I, I had a lot of fun with it. And, Yes, indeed. And, and the matches are always good when Don Fuji's throwing water bottles at people. That's <laughs> it doesn't hurt. Generally one of my favorite spots when he's just so tired of somebody. I'm not going to go break up that pin. Here's a water bottle for the midsection. <laughs> Screw you. Oh, it's fine. Very good stuff. So following this, we get into some of the uh, the more high-profile-ish matches on the show. Starting off with uh, one of Dragon Gate's uh, anniversary matches. This being their... Uh, uh, their third match of this type, bringing some dudes in from their past to take on some of their present stars to show a little bit of love to their 20th anniversary, 20th year of being around in the pro wrestling world. This time, we're going to see current star Rio Saito taking on former star Takuya Sugawara. Uh, as far as the match goes, I was kind of expecting a little bit more from this. Uh, certainly didn't quite get there, though uh, Saito tried his hardest to make this fun, and uh, when Sugawara was going, at one point he had, I thought, a really nice-looking Inzaguri that kind of showed he could have been doing a little bit more here. Um, and just as that kind of really starts getting going, Sugawara intentionally gets himself disqualified from this match in what I thought was like a fun, but ultimately disappointing, wanted to see more from this sort of affair, and we'll talk about the promo afterwards, uh, since that actually is kind of interesting. We'll get into that in just a bit, but Mizvan, what did you think of this this match between Saito and Sugawara here? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really maybe think that much of that. I, I didn't really, I wasn't a big fan of Sugawara. Um, he uh, reminded me a bit, he seemed like a, a not funny uh, Toro Yano, kind of. Um, so, I don't know, maybe it's just a bit of his look. Kind of a pasty, like, not super in shape guy, necessarily. Um, yeah, I don't know. He just didn't do much to really grab me. Uh, and then, yeah, the DQ was a little a little strange, a little off-putting. You're going to have to tell me about the promo, because uh, I know you, you look this, this stuff up. So uh, tell me about that, and maybe it'll pique my interest more. Yes. Uh, afterwards, I was very much interested, but during the match, it was not not so great. But... Essentially, Sugawara said that uh, he attacked the referee and he didn't like being in this match. He didn't want to fight Ryo Saito. He had apparently come back for one man and one man only, and who has been both his uh, partner and enemy in the past, a currently retired wrestler by the name of Anthony W. Mori. Uh, to Dragon Gate guys, Dragon Gate fans, uh, that name is uh, fairly important in their history, you know, uh, fairly popular guy back in the day, uh, did some really cool stuff, had a lot of potential, but it was never quite fully realized, I thought, uh, in seeing what I've kind of looked up on the dude. So, Sugawara, a former partner and rival of Mori's. Uh, Mori's still working with the company as kind of just a, uh, I don't even know, he just, he, he works for Dragon Gate, doesn't really get in the ring, doesn't really train, he's just kind of a, uh, a dude with the company, but Sugawara said that he was only coming back 
to face Mori. He didn't want Saito. He wants Mori in a match. Um, yeah, he just wanted a match with him. Mori said no. He's retired in 2010. He's just a staff member. Uh, Sugawara continued to push for this. Uh, both Saito and uh, Kanes, who was out there, were kind of like, you know, he doesn't really do this, but Sugawara was very insistent on having a match with Mori. Even the fans seemed to be in his corner for it. Uh, Mori continued to deny, but Sugawara uh, was not having it. Uh, Mori eventually walks off. Sugawara is still determined. But another interesting thing that he brings up is that... Uh, you know, he said back in January it was Suji Kondo that returned. February it was Toru Owashi who made his return to Dragon Gate. This month it was him, Sugawara. Yashi, brother Yashi, is always around. And he's going to get the band back together at some point in the future, in April, actually. As I, I swear to God, I hope I'm pronouncing this name right. If I'm not, please someone from the Dragon Gate community kill me. Um, Agan Iso will be returning to Dragon Gate. Now, I don't know if you if you are not aware, this is a very controversial uh, group in the company that eventually got uh, fired from Dragon Gate um, back in the day, if I remember correctly, just kind of doing some hooliganish things that got them uh, booted out from what I hear and understand. So at one point, they were actually fired altogether from the company. Again, Iso... And they're actually making their way back. So all the, the group coming back, reuniting for a match in April. And apparently, according to Sugawara, it won't just be the four of them. They are bringing in a secret weapon, quote, secret weapon. So I don't know what that could be. I don't know what that is. But um, just in general, the idea of Mori getting back in the ring is compelling in and of itself. And that group coming back together to Dragon Gate is also super interesting, just from uh, historical perspectives on both of those fronts, Mori and Agani Sao. So, yeah, that's kind of cool. As a Dragon Gate guy who's kind of looked a little bit into their history, but doesn't know a whole lot about a lot of the past stuff, especially after, like, or before about 2010, 2011 or so. I don't really have a whole grasp of knowledge on that, but... Like, the idea that some of these dudes might be coming back. You know, Anthony W. Mori might be getting back into a Dragon Gate ring to wrestle at some point in 2019 is cool. Agani Sao coming back to Dragon Gate as a stable is just cool in and of itself. So, yeah, looking forward to that. I just kind of wish we didn't have to sit through that match to get there. Right. Gotta be honest. Maybe a better way we could have gotten there. I agree. Yes. So, yeah, that all happened. Uh don't know how you feel about any of that, Ms. Fan. I uh, don't know uh, where you are on your Dragon Gate lore historical knowledge, but uh, how does that sound <laughs> to you? Both a retired, formerly uh, like notable Dragon Gate guy and a, tire, a stable that got fired coming back to Dragon Gate. How does that sort of stuff sound to you? Uh, well, I will have to reserve judgment until I see a little more, honestly, because, yeah, those names <laughs> don't really mean anything to me right now. That doesn't mean that they're good or they're bad or anything just means I really don't know. Uh, the idea seems like it uh, could have legs if you bring the right people in. And if they don't kind of do some of the same things, you know, that caused trouble before. So could be really good. Could be a bit of a bust. I don't know. I'm sure we'll see more of it as we go along. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. I just really like that 
Dragon Gate seems to be really reaching into the uh, the past to make this actual 20th anniversary uh, year, essentially, as they're trying all these matches and returns and everything. They're really going out of their way to, like, do some interesting stuff in that regard. It's not just kind of names you might be super familiar with from the recent past. They're reaching kind of deep in there, I think, and that's that's just cool in and of itself. But we'll have to see how it actually ultimately all plays out in the future. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Uh, following this up, we get one of the big get to our last two matches here. The first one being a fairly big match uh, advertised. It will be a special singles match, as is Bill Dad, between Maximum Stablemates, Dragon Kid, and Naruki Doi. Uh, some context going into this match. Uh, if you remember, uh, Dragon Kid and Kaito Ishida basically uh, petitioned their way into joining uh, Maximum a few months back, and everything seemed to be fine there. But uh, towards the start of the new year, um, Dragon Kid, uh, with Maximum getting off to a slightly slow start, apparently, Dragon Kid was very um, uh, critical of the group standing, said that they needed to be winning, and as the group's leader, I think we need to be doing more, and you guys need to be stepping up, which did not go over well with either Yoshino or Doi, specifically. Uh, this has kind of persisted and continued over the several, past several months, leading up to this match. And eventually, I guess, uh, Doi and Dragon Kid essentially try to settle it a little bit. Um, as Dragon Kid is coming out for this match, dressed in his maximum gear, he is attacked by Naruki Doi, who is wearing red and gold berserk gear instead. A very uh, interesting sort of setup and start to this match that led to... He wasn't even in Berserk, though, was he? Yeah, he was. He was towards towards the beginning. He was one of the dudes... Uh, he eventually got kicked out, but he was definitely part of the uh, group okay, win it right. for. He was not, like... I do not like I, Naruki Doi is a mad blanky guy to me, you know, honestly, because <laughs> um, he was like one of the leaders of that group of Berserk. He was like he was in that role where like the old leader is like not an important guy and then has to leave soon after they form. Yes, so. he was eventually uh, he was eventually kicked out. Him and Yamato. Yeah. Uh, Yamato was first, and then Naruki Doi followed suit. Uh, don't remember if it was like the following year or later that year, but uh, yeah, both of those guys got kicked out fairly quickly so yeah, i don't really still consider interesting, but st- i just i had to make that point because now i actually do now now i do have some history to draw on so there you go mm-hmm. but uh, yeah these two have a match i thought it was kind of slow going towards the beginning of this match wasn't really super into it uh to start with but once naruki doi hit like a super power bomb on uh Dragon Kid as he went for his top rope uh, Frankensteiner. Then I thought the match actually started picking up, and the match became a lot of fun, and ended, I thought, on a fairly strong note, with Naruki Doi picking up the win, but this is definitely, a, uh, at least for me, a match of two halves. A sort of slow and interesting first half, and a lot of fun uh, second half. What did you uh, take away from this match, Ms. Fan? Um, I definitely thought it was good. I didn't pick up the significance specifically of the Berserk gear, but uh, I certainly didn't seem to be his usual self. Uh, sneak attacking and uh, definitely acting very heelish all through that. Um, this is a good match as far as it went. Uh, Dragon Kid, I'm a big fan of him as well. Does his amazing kind of West Coast pop-ish looking spot here, which always looked great, uh, among other good spots. 
Um, I don't know. Definitely felt like it could have been better considering who's involved. But then again, maybe is uh, just a tool to kind of build up something for the future. So uh, I guess we'll see. We will definitely see because uh, I'm going to have a lot of fun things to talk about at the end of this mm. show. And this is going to be a, a definite part of it, uh, Doi and Dragon Kid. But as far as the win, yeah, Berserk uh, era, Naruki Doi playing definitely into his heel tactics, cheating to pick up the victory by doing a pop-up low blow while just very unenthusiastically uh, um, distracting uh, Yagi by simply pointing into the ground going, hey! And then Yagi turned around and was like, what's happening over there? Because Yagi, the world's most easily distractible referee, and that's why I love him. But <laughs> Pops him up, hits a low blow, hits the Bakatare, sliding kick, and defeats Dragon Kid in a very uncharacteristic, non-maximum style uh, Naruki Doi way. So that in and of itself I thought was really good. Like I said, I was really into the second half of this match in particular. Uh, some Some fairly fun stuff. However, we now get to our main event of the show. Like I said, that four-way eight-man tag team match. As uh, Red, R.E.D., Natural Vibes, Maximum, and... Uh, not Maximum, Tribe Vanguard, and the Mochizuki Dojo all participating in here. For our participants, we have from Natural Vibes, KZ, Genki Horiguchi, and Susumu Yokusuka. And Brother Yashi as well, I should say. It's for eight-man tag team. Uh, taking on the Mochizuki Dojo. Basically, right? Basically, that's the way I like to think about it, because that's much easier to say. I should be saying it like that. Uh, Taking on the Mochizuki Dojo team of Yuki Yoshioka, Hio Watanabe, Kota Minora, and Shun Skywalker. Taking on the Tribe Vanguard Atomico's team of UT, Kagetora, Kai, and Yamato. Taking on the R.E.D. four-man unit of Eita, Pak, Yasushi Kanda, and Kazuma Sakamoto in a match that I thought was a hectic lot of fun. I don't know about you, but this was... This is Dragon Gate at its best. I think when you put a whole bunch of guys in a ring and just kind of let them go wild, go 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 nuts, uh, that's when Dragon Gate is absolutely at its best, and that's what this match was. Um, you had a whole bunch of you know, high-profile Drangate names in here, doing a lot of just ridiculous things. There was a whole, there was a whole bunch of sequences where people just started diving. There was some good back and forth between a whole bunch of people. Just in general, this is, uh, I think, Drangate's wheelhouse, and I thought in particular this match delivered on that front of being just Drangate hectic nonsense, and was great in that regard. <laughs> it was certainly very fun. It was my favorite match on the card. It was almost even... A little too much, though, honestly, because yeah, I generally agree. <laughs> Dragon Gate is best when it's like tons of people doing tons of things. It's all over the place. And like I said, this is the best thing on the card, but it was almost like sensory overload in this match. So, <laughs> so many people. And it didn't help that I didn't even, I couldn't even pick some of them out of, the, out of a lineup, honestly. So, you know, I don't know if that helped me very much either. Uh, I think that's definitely a fair criticism, but... Uh... I had a phenomenal time with this match. It was just so much, uh, like I said, so much right into Dragon Gate's wheelhouse. Uh, Soon Skywalker actually kind of surprisingly picks up a the first elimination of this match by taking out Genki Horiguchi. Uh, I was not expecting Natural Vibes to be the first team eliminated here, but Shun Skywalker, who they're really high on, and I definitely see why, um, actually defeats Horiguchi to eliminate them. 
just a few minutes later, Pac hits a nasty couple of moves on Hyo Watanabe, you know, Tombstone pile driver, then followed it up with a uh, sit-out powerbomb that just looked disgusting, eliminating Watanabe. And it came down to Tribe Vanguard and R.E.D. with Yamato eventually picking up the win for his team. Um, Bin K uh, not assisting in this match. Uh, Bin K and Big R on the outside throughout this match. Uh, eventually they kind of interfere, try to help R.E.D. win. Uh, Bin K accidentally spears uh, Yasushi Kanda, uh, which immediately leads into Yamato hitting the gallery on him and pinning him to win the match for Tri Vanguard. So, yeah. In the end, uh, Vanguard wins. There's a whole bunch of drama that goes on. Then we get into, you know, after this uh, very fun match, we get into kind of the juicy details. So, you have the two. uh, We talked about Naruki Doi and Dragon Kid. You know, the issue that they have. Ooh, excuse me, the issue that those two have. There's also been a brewing issue in R.E.D. Um, Ata, in particular, does not like uh, Bin K and Big R. Shimizu, who over the past month or so have been really screwing over, uh, accidentally, uh, R.E.D. They're constantly kind of getting themselves pinned. They're getting other people pinned, like running interference that goes awry. And Ata has just just about had enough of it. He wants to kick these two dudes out. He is tired of them. He doesn't think they bring anything of worth or value to the group um, after they cause this loss here. Ata is really just furious. Uh, Big Arshimizu is actually on his knees pleading, please do not kick us out. Please, we promise you next time we will get you the victory. Um yeah, Maximum eventually comes out themselves, and uh, Naruki Doi still in his uh, berserk gear. Um, Ata tries to essentially bring him in, but he's like, no, I'm not wearing red because of you. I'm trying to get in on this 20th anniversary event that Dragon Gate's got going on. That's why I wore some throwback gear, don't you see? I, I wasn't buying it, but the fans were, so I, I, I guess um, that's what was going on, maybe. Um, all, you know, all four of the tables eventually just kind of are all, all five, I should say. Uh, R.E.D. runs them down, you know, just talking a whole bunch of talk. And eventually, Yagi gets in the ring. Yagi, um, as I said on Twitter, posted a few photos, is the man who always looks the happiest wrestler on earth to just book something. Just, just some ridiculous nonsense. He always looks incredibly pleased that he gets the opportunity to do something. So... Comes in the ring, big smile on his face. Oh, I see you two. I see you guys over there in R.E.D. are having some issues. I see you guys in uh, Maximum are having some issues. Well, it is March. And in two months, we're going to have Dead or Alive, which is known for its uh, annual cage match nonsense in and of itself, elimination style or escape style, where there's typically a lot of high stakes. This year, however, now he's mixing it up. Will not be hair masks on the line. Will not be your friend's hair masks on the line. No, no, no. We're not going that route this year. Instead, it is going to be unit bonds. He says that uh, each stable, uh, R.E.D., Maximum, Tribe Vanguard, Natural Vibes, and uh, Dojo Mojizuki will all send a representative into the cage match this year. There will be four flags. You have to climb up and pull out a flag to escape as usual. 
And if you are the last person left in the cage, out, you know, pulling out a, a flag without escaping, you will be forced to eliminate and remove a member from your unit. You will have to kick somebody out of your group, whether you want to or not. You'll just have to do it. Um, on top of that, should you be one of the few people who do manage to pull the flag and escape the cage, you will also be given the opportunity, should you choose to use it, to do the exact same thing. You may kick a, a member of your unit out if you want to, but if you're the last person in that cage, it is something you're going to have to do. Somebody... At least one person is being kicked out of their unit this year at Dead or Alive. So everybody is going to have to be on their toes. Yagi tells everybody to uh, focus on strengthening your bonds while the, uh, the group sort of plead their case. Uh, Doi says if the only thing he's got to do to kick out Dragon Kid is uh, remove a flag, then he's definitely going to try to do that. Um, he basically says the same thing, like, if I get an opportunity to get in there, pull a flag, and kick out Big R Shimizu, I'm going to do that. And Big R, very much not a fan of this, pleaded even with Yagi to not do this. Um, Tribe Vanguard and uh, Natural Vibes basically said, no, you can't have us do that, you know, we're not about that, and he said, too bad. Mochizuki Dojo, which is not actually a full-blown stable, Mochizuki himself said, you know, these guys kind of come and go as they please, that's our setup here. We're not even like a full-blown unit, so I don't know why we have to participate. Yagi gives them a special sort of a stipulation where whoever gets kicked out of Mochizuki Dojo will not be allowed back in. They will be completely banished instead of adhering to their usual come-and-go policy. So that gives them a little bit more to work with. Now, as far as deciding who's going to be going into the cage... Um, they're not just going to kind of let anybody sort of waltz in. They're doing some sort of tag team something or other. I don't quite understand since they picked, uh, like I said, tag team stipulations for one guy entering the cage. I don't get it. But um, he said he essentially set up matches for both Maximum and R.E.D. to decide their uh, representatives first in tag team matches. Uh, Eita decided that he would be... Uh, involved that he would be teaming with Takashi Yoshida to take on the uh, duo of Big Arzumizu and Binkei. So one of the people from one of those teams will be representing R.E.D. in that situation. Uh, Maximum would also have a match. Doi eventually started, um, and he picked Dragon Kid to be his partner, oddly enough, in their uh, representative decision match. Uh, he thought Yoshino would agree with this, but Yoshino was very unhappy with this and said, you know, he's had Naruki Doi turn on him multiple times, twice before Doi's turned on him. So he doesn't want that to happen again. He thinks that's exactly what Doi is going to do. He picks Ishida, and the two of them are going to be on the other side of that match. So, yeah, you've got, uh, in the future, R.E.D. sort of implosion, Eita and Yoshida versus Big R and Ben K., and then Maximum, Naruki Doi, and Dragon Kid taking on Masato Yoshino and Kaito Ishida. And somehow, in the tag team match, they'll decide one representative for their stable. I don't quite know how that's working. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, <coughs> excuse me, but yeah, we now 
uh, on this show. The sort of big thing that ends up happening is the setup for Dead or Alive. Like I said, one representative from each of the uh, current five stables. Um, whoever gets left in the cage will be forced to eliminate a member from their stable, whether they want to or not. So, yeah, kind of a different take on the cage match this year. Um, I'm personally interested, but like I said, I don't know why they're doing the representatives the way they are in tag team matches. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And stipulation kind of confusing because it's not like the guy who gets left in gets kicked out of their stable. They get to kick somebody else out. I, I don't quite understand that. But Strangate, it's a big, they're big dead or alive. I'm always willing to watch that match. It's always a lot of fun. So give them the benefit of the doubt and look forward to this one. Uh, Ms. Fan, that was a lot of information to take in there. What did you uh, think of all of that? Is there anything I need to clarify or clear up? I apologize. We need to explain literally all of that when we actually watch the match, as well as probably a bunch of extra stuff. But I'm always down for Dead or Alive. I'm uh, I'm very happy to uh, be seeing that. All the weirdness is just part and parcel of Dragon Gate, all the uh, bizarre stables and everything, and the stipulations, and uh, I don't even know... Where to begin with that, so I'm just going to let it lie. We will uh, probably watch Dead or Alive when we get to it. It's going to be uh, some very good stuff. Yes, indeed. And quickly, actually, one last uh, note on this show. We talked about that uh, Don Fuji Gamma uh, Super Shisa trio uh, winning their match early on. Um, Don Fuji, after that match, uh, made note that um, there might be another stable coming to Dragon Gate said that uh, he was interesting and interested in potentially getting back onto the front line and that uh, he was going to bring in a new stable. Um, next month, in fact, he's going to be bringing in his new group. Uh, Gamma himself said that uh, this will be a new two-dragon gate, this, stu- this stable, but they are a unit with history, he said. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's supposed to be a hint at uh, Agan Isao, which doesn't make any sense to me since they were already announced so i don't know what's going on but don fuji and gamma are going to be leading a new stable uh noted to be happening on uh in april so be on the lookout for that don fuji as some sort of member of a unit so that's happening that'll be cool yeah yeah very interesting as well lots of stuff going on in the dragon gate world I just wish I could have uh, some slightly better, more long-lasting access to it on the Dragon Gate Network. I was just going to mention, yeah, what a disappointing, disappointing service you have. Yes, it's, uh, we've talked about it before at length, you know, shows uh, go live, but then are only available for a week, and that makes it hard, especially when you're doing a podcast, try to keep up with everything. Um, like I said, we basically got lucky that they had this show on March 7th that was already up for us to watch because we had initially been planning on watching at least some of the matches from Champion Gate uh, that happened uh, basically the previous weekend. But due to some uh, very uh, interesting and busy life commitments on my end, I uh, don't want to quite get into all that, but if you've been following me on Twitter, you might have some regard for that. Regardless, due to a busy week for me, couldn't quite get into uh, finding all the timestamps for each of those individual championship matches that I wanted to watch. And that wouldn't have been a problem, wouldn't really have been a big issue, if we'd had more than a week to actually watch them. Yeah. By the time I got to being able to do all that, 
At least we were like a day and a day and a half from them being wiped from Dragon Gate's uh, system until their uh, respective infinities happen, which is just, once again, it's not great. It's not, it's not a great service. It's not a great system to be doing that sort of stuff in. I appreciate being able to watch Dragon Gate. I appreciate being able to get the Prime Zone stuff. I appreciate all those sorts of little tidbits and stuff. But in general, that's just... It's not a particularly uh, fun or great or genuinely accessible service if you want to be watching current Dragon Gate. So, not not a not a huge fan. Yeah, they really need to work on that. Really, honestly, got one of the um, worst distribution services out there as far as streaming networks go. So, yeah, not the best. Not the best. Not the best. But I do believe we have one more match to talk about before we uh, send everybody off from the Global Revolution this week. And it is a match that I genuinely consider a match of the year contender. Part of that might be my own personal bias towards Dragon Gate and the two dudes involved. But uh, I, I genuinely walked away having not just a good time, not just a great time, but a splendid, wonderful, awestruck time with this next match. Oh yeah, um, I mean, it's, for me, it's a top ten match of the year at least. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. Yes, indeed. I cannot remember the day. I do know it was February, February tenth, February eleventh. Yeah, so, yeah, one of the Open the Truth Gate shows. Yes, Open the Truth Gate. It is the Open the Dream Gate Championship match between then champion, current champion Pac, and his then number one contender KZ, and this match. Whew. This was a barn burner of a match. I know I've said that a lot. That's kind of been my go-to descriptor of really good matches, but I think this one is absolutely exactly that. This, If this had been in the middle of the show, it would have been a show stealer, but as the main event, it is just the absolute prime, like, best thing you could watch on this show, and I don't even know what else happened on this show. But I know it could not have possibly been as a... Uh, as fun as this one, because I was all about this. You have both guys just being on the top of their game, just absolutely laying into one another. Um, just some great just dramatic sequences in this match. Near falls that felt genuine, that felt earned. Um, KZ in particular having to do some really big work in this match. Hitting a couple of, you know, trying some new things in this match. He had a uh, sort of a off the apron to the outside. Um, was this the move? Because you talked about blockbusters on Twitter, I saw. Twitter or Facebook. You mentioned blockbusters not being your favorite move, and I thought that might have been. Awesome. But uh, KZ hit essentially a diving, you know, front flip, neckbreaker off the apron onto Pac on the outside, which was cool. He did, you know, a uh, the beat boom, uh, fireman's carry, like, sit-out bomb onto the apron itself from the outside to Pac. And he just re- really came across as if he was doing everything in his power to try to take the title off of Pac. He was putting in some great work. He had a pop-up uh, European uppercut at one point in this match that I'd never seen him do. He was catching Pac out of the air with the European uppercut slash elbow smash. He was just crazy. was putting in this work. Uh, Pac was himself on his A-game as well, both in the high-flying and the power department. 
Um, I don't know if I've ever seen him, uh, at least in the WWE, hit it. I wasn't watching his uh, run there, so maybe he picked it up then. But he's added a nasty-looking uh, sit-out powerbomb to his arsenal. He hit it in that uh, four-way Atomic Hose match. He hit it in this match, and it just looked brutal both times. Um, yeah, this genuinely just felt like a genuine, just wonderful struggle between two guys at the top of their game who wanted to prove they were Dragon Gate's best with the Dream Gate Championship on the line. KZ came so close. There were so many sequences where he hit a big move and it looked like it was going to be uh, the victory for him at one point, even hitting a uh, front flip uh, double underhook pile driver. Um, and in a way that came off as like, I don't know, I talked about genuine genuine like moves like this didn't come off like ah, i'm just gonna set up and do this thing this felt like a big spot this felt like a big moment this felt like him setting up for his regular uh impact move and suddenly uh either by Pac trying to struggle out of it or him deciding to mix it up managed to hit a front flip variant on that move which was really cool just just casey really pulling out all the stops in this match but no matter how many stops he pulled out none of them can compare to a second rope tombstone pile driver, courtesy of Pac onto KZ. That was essentially the beginning of the end for him. Pac eventually finishing off with the black arrow off the top rope, finally managing to hit it in this match and put away KZ. Ah, this was so. This is a match you have to go out and see as well. I talked about uh, Juan Francisco and Mr. Assault Man being a match you had to see from National Pro Wrestling Day, and I'm telling you the exact same thing <laughs> on an even higher scale for KZ and Pac. I genuinely believe both guys to be two of the best wrestlers in the world. KZ in particular on his A game in this one. Uh, both guys, like I said, pulling out a whole bunch of stops. KZ just doing stuff he has never done before, stuff I've never seen him do before, you know, really selling that this meant something to him, that he had to go above and beyond to defeat a guy like Pac to become something like the Dreamgate champion. And unfortunately, just was not quite enough in this match. I genuinely thought going into this match, KZ was going to win it. Um, and by the time this match ended, I wanted KZ to have won it, but... Pac earned his title defense. Pac took a lot of stuff. And everything came off to me as, like, super believable. I was never, um, you know, like, all the near falls I thought were earned were warranted. Um, part of that might just be because I have a sort of... Uh, I've talked about this before, but because I'm invested in these two dudes, I'm invested in Dragon, I'm invested in KZ, and where his direction goes, you know, stuff that might annoy me in another match, you know, gets a little bit more leeway here, but in general, really just a spectacular match for me right now, probably a top three match of the year contender, definitely top three favorite match of the year so far. This was, this was tremendous, tremendous phenomenal, phenomenal, excellent stuff. stuff. They've talked for really long. My throat is kind of scratching. Miss Van, take the mic from me. What did you think about this uh, match between these well, two? Well, I don't know more I can really say. Uh, like I said, I thought this was great. I thought it was a top ten match year that I've seen so far. And, uh, you know, it's saying a lot. I've seen some really good matches this year. Some awesome stuff in here. I love the uh, the Shooting Star Press and pocket like to Casey as he was trying to stand up. That was incredible. The final part of this match, that super tombstone that had me gasping in my seat. A lot of really incredible stuff here. I, I agree totally with you. Two of the best guys in the world right now, just tearing it up here. 
Um, I, I do wonder, it seems like Casey might be the ideal guy to, to win that Open Dream Game Championship from Park down the line. Didn't happen here, but I don't know. they got to elevate him at some point because I feel like he's been ready for a while, and if they don't do it soon, they're going to miss their chance. So uh, kind of rooting for him to be the guy at some point this year. But, yeah, no, regardless, this match was awesome. I, I had a great time with it. Definitely agree. KZ's been on the verge since at least last year when he took on Mochizuki in my uh, match of the year from 2018. So he's definitely been close, and it's something that I genuinely hope uh, Dragon Gate capitalizes on sooner rather than later because I'm starting to not. I don't think they've given up on him, and I don't think they're going to give up on him, and I'm not going to give up on KZ, but. Do have you know a fear of the shades of Akira Tozawa, a guy who really like comes into his own, gets really over, is really popular, is really awesome, and they just never pull the trigger on the dude when they should. I hope that does not happen to KZ. Um, I hope that he does eventually win the Dream Gate, preferably this year, because I think he's just he has earned it, he is worth it, he is ready for it. He's proven that beyond a shadow of a doubt over the last you know 12 months, 18 months that he is the guy that Dragon Gate should. Uh, Kind of resting their laurels on and giving uh, the driver's seat to, because I think when he once he gets that, he is going to do some, you know, excellent things. He's already proven that he can do excellent things. He's already done some excellent things, but I think he needs time to give him that next step to the upper echelon, to the absolute top of the company. Should be there now. Basically, already is, but just need that one last thing, that Dreamgate title, to really cement him in that spot. Absolutely. Whew, all right. I think that wraps up everything we were going to cover on the show. Anything else that you want to go over, my friend, with your uh, scratched out voice and your boundless enthusiasm <laughs> that I love? Uh, yes. Uh, just really quickly, uh, I don't know if we'll be doing it this week. They did uh, push it back by a few days due to some sort of technical problem. But this past weekend was, uh, you know how much we love WXW, and they just did 16-carat gold weekend nights, one, two, and three, on top of their Ambition Tournament as well. Um, those are being released on now Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week. I think it was originally Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, night one, Monday, night two, Wednesday, night three, Friday. Unfortunately, for one reason or another, they had to be all pushed back towards the latter end of this week. Um, because of that, I don't quite know if we're going to be able to get to all three things this week. That might be up to Ms. Fan. I certainly would love to try, but um, if you're a WXW fan, if you've been following along with what they were um, doing this weekend, uh, Monday or Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday this week, they'll be dropping all a 16-karat gold weekend, and who I'd say, uh, for my money, that's really the only weekend that comes close to King of Trios and WrestleMania weekend for sheer just interest and uh, quality. So definitely looking forward to whenever we manage to get to covering that because I have uh, don't want to spoil anything. Um, but it looked like a really, really, really good weekend, and I cannot wait for whenever we do cover it. Absolutely. And, yeah, I think we will try to cover that for next week. Uh, try to cover the whole weekend if we can. Uh, might not... Uh, be able to talk about every match. Yes, they got Ambition, like you said. They got uh, Inner Circle, I think, as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how much we can cover, but I think we're going to give it a shot. So please stay tuned for that. I think it's going to be a really great 
show, and it's going to be a great episode for us to talk about. So, yeah, 16 Karat, mm-hmm. one of my favorite times of the year, absolutely. Okay. All right. All right. We got to wrap up. Uh, anything else you want to yes, say? Yes, indeed. Nope, I think that is all. Thank you for coming to the Global Revolution again. We love listening. We love talking to you. We love listening to what you got to say. And yeah, good episode this week. Looking forward to more. Been really loving this uh, year of professional wrestling, and there's only more to come. 16 Carat this weekend, or this week, from this past weekend, and even more in the future, and I am pumped. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for everyone listening to the show. If you want to shout us out, we're on Twitter. I am at Spectral Gent. He is at Big Def Energy, B-I-G-D-E-F Energy. Hope you check out the other great programs on LOP Radio and LordsofPain.net and LOPForums.com for a lot of great written material. Please come check it all out. Join the conversation. A lot of great stuff on there. So thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week, hopefully, with 16 karat gold. Until then, we have been the global revolution. See ya.